The following message is brought to you from Gathering Community Church, located in Surfside Beach, South Carolina. And now, here's Pastor Benji Simmons. Don't you know that Moses must have sat down at some point in his journey with God and he said, man, God's amazing. You know, it was Moses who was captivated by a bush that was burning but not consumed and burned up. And a voice spoke from that bush that grabbed hold of Moses' attention that put him in position to where he would lead the people from their journey of chaos to their journey eventually that would have full meaning and ramifications of the establishment of a nation and would take many years in that process for this to happen. The message this morning is entitled, The Specialness of God. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 3, and if you're familiar with Exodus in that chapter especially, it is the chapter that grants to us understanding about the Ten Commandments. And beginning in verse 1, it says, Then God spoke. We probably could just stop there, put a period on the end of it, and preach a sermon when God spoke. But when God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Do not have other gods besides me. Goes on in verse 4, also do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above, on the earth below, or in the waters under the earth. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I am the Lord your God, am a jealous God, he says. So I believe he establishes from the very beginning with the people of Israel, three months after being into this uh, journey of the wilderness, he establishes something very important. He establishes who he is and a strong expectation of what he felt the people needed to know and that they would be challenged in their understanding of who God is and what God can do over the next 40 years of their life. Often the definitive article, the, is used before God's name. And rightly so. For example, God is the Almighty. He's not just a Almighty. He is the Almighty. God is the eternal God. God is the glorious Lord. God is the great and the mighty God. God is the Holy One. So you understand that that definitive article, the, is so very important in the understanding and in the distinctiveness of who God is in our life. Because God is not just a God, He is the God. 
And so when Moses, back in Exodus chapter 3, when God calls Moses, he's having to be, he's confronted with the understanding of who the God is that speaks to him. And in verse 1, it says, Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of the fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must... I must go over and look at this thing. Of course he needs to go over and look at this thing. And he saw this remarkable sight. Why, what sight? Why isn't this bush burning up, he says. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to Moses from the bush. Moses, Moses, here am I, he answered. And he says, do not come closer. And he establishes the fact that you are standing on holy ground. And he continued, I am the God. He doesn't say, I am a God or I am, I am something that you thought of as God. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And then Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So from the very beginning, God established himself as the one and only God. He establishes within the Ten Commandments, the most important of all is that we should have no other gods in our life but him. Not that God is recognizing there is the multitude of gods in this world, but we should not create anything that would replace the God in our life. So there's a very beautiful distinctiveness about who God is. Now, let me give you an understanding. Back on August 16th of 1981, I knew that there was a God in this world. But after giving my life to Christ as a young teenager, I realized that it is the God that I've committed my life to. And so when you and I come to that understanding together and have, then you understand that God is the God most important thing of your life and he is the highest God. He is all that we need. He is the Holy One. He is the Mighty, Almighty. He is the Eternal God. He is the Glorious Lord. He is the Mighty God. He is the Great I Am. He is the Holy One. We understand that. To distinguish God from other gods that writers will do in in many of our lives to try to convince us that there is something else out there. When I say writers, I'm talking about those who have a pluralistic mind and yet they may try to capitalize G in one sentence and in the same sentence they have a little G. And so the Holy One of God is always the capitalized of our life. He's always the most important thing of our life. It was Martin Luther who said, whatever's at the center of your life is your God, little g. But yet we understand as Moses understood that the most important thing at that moment of his life was the only God 
that he could understand at that moment in his mind was speaking to him through that bush, giving him a challenge of something that he was going to have to do for the God of the universe to help free his people from slavery. He is the God, not a God. He is not first among the other gods and then comes in second, third, or fourth. He is the God. He is not a territorial God, but a universal God. And what I mean by that is there should be no other form of anything else other than the great I am in our life. And you go back to the story of Exodus chapter three as we relate it back to the Ten Commandments. Moses then asked a question, God, how am I, because God gives him a challenge, Moses, I'm going to use you and you are going to be the person that is going to help free the people from slavery. And Moses says, I, I don't even know how to speak. I don't have the courage to do it. I don't even have the mental capacity to do it. I don't know how I can do what you've asked me to do. And God says, shh, it's not you who's going to do it, Moses. I just need your body and your mouth and your willingness to be used by me and I'll do the rest. And he says, well, if I go to the people and I say to them that God is refreeing you, I'm gonna ask that you be freed from the higher power of the earth, what am I supposed to say? And he says, tell them that I am who I am has sent you. So God identifies the fact that he is the great I am. He is all that we need. He's all that Moses needs. He's all that, 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 that Pharaoh is gonna be confronted with. He's all that the people are ever going to understand and need from this point on. So God established himself as the only God. He established himself as the great I am. Consequently, God states in that first of the Ten Commandments, I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. So the great I am that Moses is speaking about in Exodus chapter three, that, that he's coming to understand and speak with, is the same God in Exodus chapter 20 that reminds the people the pe that that Moses, when he first understood who I am through that burning bush, I am the same God who says to you this day, do not have any other form of anything else important in your life but the one God that I am. So understand that, that God indicates with the personal pronoun here, he says, I am Yahweh your God, he says. So he says to Moses, I am the God of your fathers. And then he says to the multitude of people, I am your God. So he personalizes the fact that he's not just a God who's a higher power over the universe and removed from his creation, that he's very involved in the interpersonal workings and understanding in the very mind and heart of every person. And he says, I am your God. When you introduce someone, you know, you, you, you do it with a possessiveness. This is my son. This is my daughter. This is my wife. This is my husband. You, you, you have a possessiveness because 
you're identifying your connection with the very people whom you love. And God makes that interpersonal connection when he says, you are my people. I am your God. It's powerful. So he says to Moses, I am who I am and I will lead you out from the point of slavery with my children. And then he says to the children very early, three months into their wilderness experience, I am your God. And I'm the one who brought you out of slavery. I'm the one who freed you and gave you new life. Why is God the definitive God? Why is he who he is? Why is he that that distinctiveness of God in your life and mine? Well, let's look at a few answers. Understand that the ultimate, that God is ultimate. You've got to put that as the premise in understanding this message. God is ultimate. God is perfect. God is best. And God is authoritative. And when you put those four things in the category of our understanding of who God is, then we always understand that the specialness of God remains special to us and will always be special to us because we know that he is ultimate. We know that he is perfect. We know that he is best. And we know that he has all authority over our lives because God is the only God. So number one, understanding why God is is distinctiveness, his definitiveness, his specialness, is that God is because of his person. In other words, because of who he is. I'm glad that God is not defined by me. (laughs) I would mess it up. All right? Take, for example, when we are going through a downward time in our life, when we're going through a a discouraging moment of our life, or we're going through a defeated moment of our life, we may describe God something less than what he is because we may not see him as a God of victory in the midst of our defeat. We may not see him as a God who is is one who's over, over in control of everything when we're facing the most difficult moment of our life. So if we try to define him in those emotional times, we may define him less than who he is, but God is always who he is because of the person that he will always be, the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So God's, the definition of who God is not based on our understanding. The definition of who God is is based on the fact that he's already established that he is the great I am. He is all that we need. He is the God of our lives from our fathers from the very beginning, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am Yahweh your God, he says in Exodus chapter 20, verse two. And it speaks of God's person. We see three names of God in this phrase. He says, I am, I am your, I am Yahweh your God. He identifies the fact that he is the I am. As we said in Exodus chapter three, verse 14, he speaks of the essential being as first mentioned to Moses. His first identification of who he is is the great I am. Yahweh is the name mostly linked to God's redeeming acts. So he says, I am who I am and will redeem 
the people and he reminds them, I've already freed you, I've already redeemed you from slavery and the redeeming acts in history of his chosen people. So we know God, because of what he has done, this God, the only God, has saved his people from that tyranny of the slavery in Egypt. And it is Christ when he says, it is finished, that frees us from the tyranny of being a slave to sin and under the penalty of death. And then he says, I am, I am Yahweh, your God. He identifies his name three times in that one sentence. God Elohim, the plural form of the simpler name. It is the name most frequently used of God all throughout the Old Testament. The name El, which means first, as in the Lord, indicates that God is strong and the mighty one. He is first and he is last. He is the omega, he is the beginning, and he is the end. And so he recognizes the fact of who he is and he established that very, very early into the people's lives as he did with Moses, which is an indication of who we should know him to be, that he is the great I am. And there's no other God that we serve because there's no other God that's real but one and is the almighty God. And it's a God who says, I am your God, personalized. Powerful, isn't it? But notice the, the phrase, it is your, the, the phrase your indicating that God is who he is, which means that he's saying, I am essential to all of your lives. I am Yahweh, your God. So he recognizes from the very beginning in the lives of the people that he is essential that puts together all the brokenness of the people's lives back together. He's recognizing the fact that you cannot go through life without knowing who your God is. He established it from the very beginning. He is the redeemer and the first among all wants and needs of our personal life. He is everything that we need. He wants us to be involved. He wants to be involved in our life. He wants us to be involved in who he is. He wants to be a part of our life. He wants to give himself to you and to me. He, he wants the very, the very best for your life and mine. God is shouting at us, know me, acknowledge me as the great I am and remember I am the Lord your God. I am not the Lord his God or the Lord of her God. I am your God. He established from the very beginning, he wants us to know him. Moses is like, who is this speaking to me? And then when he gets close to the bush, God says, Moses, take off those sandals because the place that you're standing is holy ground, not that the sand and the dirt is holy. It's the fact that you have stepped into my presence and the presence of the great I am has made this place holy. And I am the Lord your God, he says in, in chapter 20. He says, I am the holy one whom you have come to know and I am that God, I am the God, I am the only God, I am the ultimate, I am the best, I am the authoritative and I am the one that you need for your life. 
That is very distinctive. That's the specialness of God. So when you and I come to know God, it's like, wow, God's special. This understanding that the God of the, the God that spoke to Moses in that burning bush, which seems to be a wow moment of life, is the same God who helps you and me. He's not different from Moses and different. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So that all that's recorded in Scripture of the, of the specialness of God and the distinctiveness of God, the authority of God is the same God that we relate to today and he relates to us. So he wants us to know him. He wants us to acknowledge him. He wants us to, to remember who he is, that I am the Lord, your God. The truth is, everybody has a God. That's could be good news and bad news. But in the case that I just stated, that's probably more of a bad news statement. Because a God is defined as anything that takes first place in your life. Whatever the heart clings to and relies upon, that is the position that has been properly placed as God in our life. So whatever has been placed in the right position of your life at this very moment is God. So everybody has a God. But does everybody know the one and true God? You see, security, position, power, social prestige, you know, our job, our profession, it is not the uncommon of all these things that need to replace who God is. I know that you testify in your life. At some point, your job may have been more important than your thought of who God is or your money or your fame or your position or your power. We have all, we probably all can share testimony. At some point, we have displaced God in our life. He's not first priority. He's second or he's third or he's on a back burner or we're not even thinking about him. We lived in a lost world because we were lost people. But the question that we must ask ourselves, will that God whom we think that can satisfy our needs take care of us for eternity? The God can, but a God can't. So the yearning of our heart is the same what God has put from the very beginning. I am the Lord your God. I am the great I am. I am the great I am. He says, I am all that you'll ever need, Moses. Don't worry about how you speak. Don't worry about your frailness. Don't worry about how you look. Don't worry about your thoughts of yourself because it's not you that, that's going to matter here. It's what I'm going to do through you and I'm going to free the people from their slavery. And when they get into the wilderness, I'm going to remind them that I am the one who brought them out of slavery and I am their God. I am the one and only God. And he says, I am jealous and you should have no other gods before me. In other words, he says, do not allow anything else to take me out of your life. Do not replace me with anything else but who I am, the great I am. 
the living, true God wants to respond to your needs. He wants to respond to your cries for help. He wants to help because that is his nature. Because from the very beginning, he says, I am yours. I am the God of your life. And I want you to know me and to live for me from this day forward. Second of all, why is God such a definitive God, distinguished as God, the specialness of God? Is because of his power, his power. God reminded the people of Israel of his power by saying to them, I am the one, I am the one who brought you out of slavery, not Moses and not anything else. It wasn't Pharaoh who, who got a little bit shaky in his knees. It was not anything to do with humanity. I am the one who brought you out of Egypt, he says. The Ten Commandments were given to the children of Israel, as we said, three months into this exodus from Egypt. And during the preceding three months, God reminded them over and over and over what he had done. That he had brought them, he had freed them, he had, he had given them life. Many people today would have us think that while God is not dead, that God is growing old and has gotten tired. The fact remains that God is not even out of breath. God abounds in power today as he did in the days of Exodus. And the same God in Exodus is the same God in your life today. He is the only God. So understand his power, his power to free us from ourselves, to free us from our own thinking, to free us from our own wisdom, our own understanding, to free us from who we are so that we focus on who he is. He is God because of his power. He is the God because of his personhood. He is the God because of that power. And third of all, God is very definitive, distinctive, special because of his position. In other words, the place that he is at, the position of who he is. The first of the Ten Commandments says, do not have other gods besides me. God did not, God doesn't just deserve our love. He doesn't just deserve our desires. It is because of the definitive, definitiveness of who he is that requires our love, that requires our desires, that demands that we serve him. Why? Because he says, I am your God and I am the great I am. I am the only God and no other gods are allowed to be before me. Anything that you create in your life, God will not play second fiddle to anyone. He has no rivals. He will not share his place. He will not share his position with anyone or anything in our life. He says, I'm a jealous God. So listen here. Listen closely as I speak to me. There are times in our life that we put God second because we feel as if we can handle it. You been there? You know what happens? We fail. And God, in his grace, 
comes back into play. It says, now that I've got you where I really need you to be in a complete surrendering moment of your life, I'll step in. God is, is a God who understands that we're going to be tempted to put him second place in our life, to look at, look at him as being, being something when it's convenient, we will trust him, or to look to him when it's the right time or when I feel good or when I have the right positive mental attitude, I'll have God as number one in my life. God knows we're gonna be tempted with those things. But he reminds us as he does from the very beginning with the children of Israel. I am the Lord, I am Yahweh. I am the Lord, your God. I am not the Lord of someone else. I am your God. The words before me literally could be translated against my face. You shall have no other gods against who I am. You should not deface me as God because I am the great I am. And if you place anything else before me in your life, then you're basically slapping me in the face. I don't like to be slapped in the face because I am the Lord, your God. I am all that you'll ever need. I am the great I am of your life. That's the distinctiveness. That's who God is. And it's the person of who he is, the power that he has, as well as the position that he has placed himself in in our lives, that he insists that the only God of Israel, the only God of your life in my life today is, is the eternal, the almighty, the holy one, the righteous one, the authoritative one, the ultimate one, the best one that could ever be. The first command is affirmed in the remarkable sentence which for every Jew is the heart of the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. And it's in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. And it reads this. Listen, O Israel, listen, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These are the words I'm giving you today. They are to be upon your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be as a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words, he says, when you are awake or when you are asleep, when you're leaving your house or when you're coming back to it, when you're moving in your everyday environment or when you're by yourself at home, know the fact that I am the Lord your God and you are to love me with all your heart, soul, and strength to love me with all your being, not because that's the right thing to do, it's because you recognize that I am the great I am in your life and I am yours. And if God is yours, then we love him with all our being. Powerful, isn't it? From the very beginning, 
From the very beginning of time, God established the person that he is. He established his power and he established his position with his people. And just as it was thousands and thousands of years ago, the personhood of God has not changed. The power of God has not been diminished and the position of God is never forgotten. And it's the same person, same power and same position of God in Moses' life as it is in your life in mine. I'm blown away. I'm blown away because I do not deserve the Lord's love. I do not deserve him to be my God, but because of his love towards all of the, all that he's created and because of his commitment to love us, he allows us to know him. He allows us to get to, to, to know him in a very personal, powerful way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. The th- central thrust of this commandment can be summed up in one word, priority. God is priority. Not one among many. As the saying goes, God is present. He's not just a resident. He is the present in your life. He is all that we need. He's not one who just takes up resident and spends a little time with us and moves on to someone else. The rest of the commandments mean little or nothing unless God is recognized as the one. All other nine do not come into play and make sense unless we establish the number one commandment and we live that for all of our life. God is our definitive God. And I love this statement. A throne room exists in your heart with only one throne. The throne room of your heart exists with only one throne. And the throne is God. And we're to love him with all our heart, soul, and mind. We're to love him from the very essence of who we are, from our inner being. We recognize that God is the one who deserves all our love. He is the only one who has all our allegiance and we should have no other God created in our life before him. Therefore, he is the priority of all that we need because he is the ultimate, he is the best, he is the perfect and he is the authoritative God in our life. Now that I've got through the introduction, I'm ready for the message. (laughs) Just kidding. God is all that we need. So I ask you this question. What is at the center of your life right now? Now, that's not a question to make you lower your head and say, I failed. That's not what it's about. That may be the result that reminds you and I, but the question is really asked to have us evaluate what is the priority of our life today? What is the center? I love the the, the concentric circles of design where you have a little circle in the middle. Think of it like a, like a target or a bullseye. And the real tight circle in the middle is the most important one of your life. 
And then you have a circle that goes on the outside of that little circle that branches out to other people who are important in your life. Then on the outside of that circle is a larger circle that includes more important people of our life. And the circle just keeps getting bigger, another circle around that. So what's at the center of that circle? What's at the center of our life? But in that concentric circle of design, it's supposed to be God. And we move out from that center to the next layer of relationships, which come to be the very ones we live with, husbands and wives and children, grandparents, the very inner circle of our life, the very most intimate people whom we know. And then we move out from there to the, to the friends that are very close to us in life. Then we move out from that relationship to the acquaintances. Then it goes to the strangers. Then, and, all, and then you interject all of those in between. You've got your church family. You've got your, 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 your school family. You've got your work family. You put them in, the, in that concentric circle design where they fit in priority. But the number one center of that circle is God. When God is placed on the outside perimeter of the larger circle, then we've got him out of place and something else is at the center. And if something else is at the center, the whole design of the concentric circle has fell apart. You might as well draw it as a square or a rectangle or a triangle, whatever you want. It's no longer the centric circle of design for our life. God has to be at the center. So whatever's at the center of your life is what we're talking about. And that center is your God. We're set up in the world many times. We spend more, more time in our work environment than we do with our spouses and children in a normal 30-year process of work. Think about it. We spend more time. So we have to constantly remind ourselves what's the center of our life. When God is out of the center of our life, what happens? Then relationships fail then we, we fail as a father and mother. We fail as a husband. We fail as, as, as employer or employees. We fail in our, in our decision-making. And all those other little circles begin to fall by the side when God is not at the center. So all throughout life, we are prioritizing our centric circle of design. And God has to be back at the center. When he's there, you're happier. When he's there, you love him. When he's there, you understand him. When he's there, you recognize his presence. You recognize his power. And you've already recognized his position of where he needs to be. There is a design that you and I have and it's for God to be at the center. So what is at the center of your life? Is it the distinguishable, definitive, special God that he is. Your God from the very beginning, the great I am. Thanks be unto God for him allowing us to even know him as creator of this world and as an interpersonal God of our life. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you brush us this morning 
with the reminder of your presence and the reminder of great truth, the truth that was established from the very beginning, even back to, to Adam and Eve in the garden where God walked with them and talked with them and, and was very personal in all of, of every thought of Adam and Eve's life. And even though they failed, you, God, in your grace, your kindness, your mercy, worked out a plan. And through Moses is the beginning part that tells us that you were very, very concerned, very passionate about freeing us from the bondage of slavery so that we could have restoration in life for the rest of our lives because you are our God. You are the God in our life. Thank you for allowing us to know you. In your name that we pray, amen. amen. My friend, we want to sing a song of invitation, a song of commitment. Lord, I give you my heart. As we sing that together, may it be a reminder of what helps us to put him back at the center of our life. So let's stand together. Let's sing. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm away, Lord, have your way in me. This is my desire. been listening to the worship cast brought to you from gathering community church located in surfside beach south carolina for more information about our church and its ministries 
please go to www.gatheringcommunitychurch.com.